0: Good morning, Harrison Faith. Are you ready to worship Jesus this morning? Come on, let's worship him together. make your glory known
1: The scroll, like a lamb, you suffer, but the lion has a rose. Hail, Hail, Lion of Judah, let the lion roll. Hail, Hail, Lion of Judah.
0: You for coming to Harrison Faith today. Will you take a moment as we continue to worship? Turn around, greet your neighbor, shake somebody's hand, give somebody a high five today. I'm going to believe that Jesus is in this place already. Before you already got here today, before you pulled into the parking lot, before you got out of your car and before you came in, the presence of the Holy Spirit was already resting in this place. So here's what I want us to do in unity this morning. Can we do this? Can we just lift our hands all over this place? You may not feel comfortable, but can I just tell you this morning that... The act of lifting your hands is symbolic of surrender. It's just saying, Lord, I surrender to you whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak, however you want to move. And I just want us to pray right now with hands lifted all over this place and hearts surrendered to God. Can we just pray that every distraction would just begin to fall right now? Every distraction would be pushed away, would be pushed back, would be pushed out of the room that there would be no distractions, there would be no hindrances, because in this moment, we are here in the presence of God, and we're here to worship Him, and so we don't need distractions, nor do we need to be a distraction. Lord, we make it our prayer right now with hands lifted all over this sanctuary. Come and invade this room. Come and invade our hearts. Come and invade our thoughts. Come and move how you want to move. Speak however you want to speak do whatever you want to do because Lord without you we're nothing without you we can do nothing so Holy Spirit come and invade come and move we worship you today God have your way in this place the power to physically resurrect but he has the power to spiritually resurrect perhaps there's some people in this room this morning that you came today and you're desperate for a touch from God is there anybody in the room today that would say I'm just desperate for a touch from Jesus I'm just, te- I'm, I'm just desperate for one word. I'm just desperate to hear his voice. I'm just desperate to fill his presence. There's a story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, where Jesus comes into the room where Peter's mother-in-law is laying in the bed, and she's sick, and she has a fever. And there's something powerful that happens in the text. that says Jesus walked into the room, and he touched her hand and immediately the fever left and the bible says she got up and she began to serve him if you look up that word touch it's translated to set ablaze to set a fire to rekindle and what's powerful about when jesus touches us is that he not only delivers us sometimes from our affliction But he sets us ablaze on the inside. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh fire. And perhaps there's somebody in the room today that needs a touch from Jesus. That you might hear his voice speak to you clearly today. To tell you, rise and serve me again. Rise and trust me again. Rise and believe in me again. Rise and hope again. Rise and dream again. Just one touch from the master's hand. And I believe there's people in this room today that need a touch from God. And I believe that if we will just submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and we will come to him in the right attitude and surrender our heart, no matter what your situation looks like, no matter what you're going through right now, you might be going through a divorce, you might be uh, covered up under anxiety and depression. You may be here and you say, I am really struggling today. But I know and I believe in whom I serve. And I know that just one touch from him today, just one whisper from his voice into your heart can cause a shift in your life and cause you to rise, as the song says, from the ashes of defeat and begin to trust again and begin to serve again. So as we continue to worship this morning, I just that's my challenge for you today. I encourage you. Lift your hands, lift your, however you need to worship. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't focus on everything that you've got to do next week and your to-do list. But over the next few moments, I challenge you to close your eyes. Close out every distraction. Lift your hands. Say, God, I need a touch from you today. Speak to me. Move in such a way that you would cause a shift in my thinking and a shift in my life. Come on, let's worship him this morning. just telling worship Him in this moment.
1: Worthy. You are worthy. Worthy. The angels
0: are bowing around the throne and this is the song of heaven. Worthy. worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. worship Him for just a few more moments this morning. Tell Him how worthy He is of
1: your praise and your worship. You are worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you worthy of our worship. Oh, you are worthy, worthy of our praise.
0: if the prayer team would come and stand this morning if you're here today and you have a need whatever that might be we're going to continue to worship but we want to invite you to come and we just simply want to join in agreement with you today believe God to work in your life whatever that need is this morning whether it may seem very big or very small We'd love to partner with you in prayer. Ask the God, ask God to work miracles in your life this morning. If that's you, would you come today?
1: cross Because I know he holds my future in life is worth living just because.
0: will sing it if you know it this morning.
1: Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, it's because He lives. Because.
0: exalt you this morning. You are high and lifted up. You said if your name would be lifted up, you would draw all men to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for every person, every family member that made the decision to be here on this Sunday. Lord, we believe we're here on purpose, for a purpose. We don't believe that we're just accidentally, that we accidentally stumbled into this place, onto this parking lot today. Holy Spirit, speak. Move. Touch. Every situation, every person. Here in just a few moments as our pastor comes to open the word of God. I pray, Lord, that it would be like a fire in our stomach. As Jeremiah said, that it would be like a fire shut up in our bones. That when we leave this place, we couldn't leave here without being ignited the Spirit of God that causes a shift in our thinking and in our life. Let it be so today, God, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. If you believe it, everybody say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. We're so glad you're here today. How many knows that it is extremely cold outside? I see a lot of people still got your jackets on. Amen. <laughs> we'll stay warm in here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you are a guest today, maybe you've been visiting Harrison Faith for a little while, and uh, if we haven't had the opportunity to connect with you, whether you've been visiting by watching online or you've been visiting in person. If we haven't had the chance to connect with you and your family to get to know you a little better, uh, we would love to do that. It is our desire uh, to connect with you and your family. And so uh, one of the greatest ways we can do that is there is a connection card in the seat back in front of you. If you've been coming for some time, you know uh, that this is part of what we do. And so uh, if you would, go ahead and take that connection card out. If you call Harrison Faith, your home. Uh, I simply ask that you put your first and last name on that. And that way we know that you were here in person today in this service. If you're new today or you've been visiting and we haven't connected with you, would you just take a moment uh, to fill out this card with me? We're going to just take a moment here and fill this card out. And then I've got uh, some other important things here in just a moment. other side Uh, there's an opportunity for prayer so whether you're it's submitting a prayer request or a praise report uh, we would love to partner with you in prayer every Tuesday morning our staff comes into this sanctuary and we lift up the needs of this church and this community it's very important to us because it's important to God and so we care about you we care about your needs we care about your surgeries we care about your procedures Uh, I know some of you um are a little held back with some of that information, and I understand that, but just know that we do care and we would like to know about those things so that we can be uh, lifting you up in prayer. So if you have a prayer request today, uh, would you just take a moment to submit that? And then if you have a testimony of something that God is doing in your life or has done in your life, a prayer that he's answered, we want to know about that as well because we want to celebrate with you And the amazing things that God is doing in your life. So if you have a praise report, you can submit that on there as well. As the ushers come uh, here in just a moment when we pray, you can turn those cards into the offering buckets and we will collect them that way. How many is excited and ready with a burning passion to give this morning? Amen, amen, amen. We're gonna continue our worship through giving today. What a honor and a privilege to give back. How many knows that, The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God ain't broke, so we're not really giving him anything. We're just giving him back stuff, (laughs) amen, because he's been faithful, and uh, he's just an awesome God. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you uh, that, God, you just let us borrow. (laughs) You're so faithful. You're so true. You're so good. You're so merciful to us. You've been faithful to this church. You've been faithful to our families, uh, Lord, and we're thankful, we're grateful this morning. And so, Lord, we just ask, we come to you asking again, Lord, to let your blessing be upon the tithe and the offering uh, for the benefit of your kingdom and your church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Just a couple of important announcements for you. Uh, So make sure you're paying attention for this. Uh, First of all, Ladies, you can just take a moment, look pretty, get your Bible ready for the message today. Let me talk to the men for a moment. Uh, We all know that Valentine's is just around the corner, right? We know. We know that if we're being honest, we're not good at this kind of stuff. (laughs) If you are, I applaud you. Um, What if I told you that I was going to just set you up for success today? What if I told you the church was going to set you up for success today? What if I told you that there was a date night already planned for you with a free meal and free childcare? Two people clapping. God bless you, God. God bless you. Free meal. It's going to be a hot meal. It's going to be a good meal. The entertainment, the activities already planned, childcare planned, provided for. So all you got to do, oh, there it is. There's a QR code. All you men got to do is clean up a little bit nice, love your wife like Christ, love the church, and take out your Android or iPhone right now and scan this QR code and say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure my wife is going to be there because it's a free date night. Come on, somebody say amen. Man, y'all awake today? Come on now. All right, man, make sure you get your phone out. get the, I don't see no phones. You better start scanning it up. Come on now, free meal, free childcare. You just can't beat that today. Um, one more announcement. Kids ministry meeting that was scheduled for tomorrow night. We're just trying to be proactive. Be careful with... Um, with what the weather is looking like because there's a possibility of sleet and ice. We don't want, we obviously, safe, everyone's safety is our priority. So the kids' Men meeting is rescheduled to the following Monday. That's January 29th. So if you are serving in any capacity in the kids' ministry, nursery, pre-K, or if you are interested in, in serving in some capacity in our kids' ministry, you are also invited. We ask that you would be there. We want to see your face in the place January 29th, that Monday evening. uh, There's going to be a meal provided, the food's provided, all of that. We're going to get an opportunity to uh, to hear the heart and vision uh, from uh, Miss Elizabeth, and it's going to be a great time of connecting with one another. So if you're a volunteer in kids' ministry or you're interested or possibly looking at that, we hope to see you there Monday the 29th. Amen? All right, we'll see you
2: there. And all that God said, uh-huh, you better, you better be there. Hey, just uh, real quick, um, next month is our vision and business meeting. That's the last week of February. Big day, big day. We, we chart the direction of our future by the election of its leadership. Uh, If you've been coming to Harrison Faith for at least three months, then you have a possibility and eligibility to be able to vote and to be a part of that. It's important that you're a part of that. And so here's what I want you to do. Um, If you've been here three months, at least three months, I would love for you to become a member. Now, timing is important because we're about to have a board meeting on Tuesday. And I have to approve your membership by that day. So, so you have until now, this very second, until Monday evening, to email this address right here. We will email you right back, get you a form to sign out, make you a member. Maybe I'll, I'll talk to the guys to kind of push you through, you know, overlook your problems. And uh, we'll make you a member. But honestly, what's most important is, is as we get ready to chart our future If you've been here and you call Harrison Faith your home, we need, we you're a part of the body. We want you to have that opportunity to speak into the the direction of the body. Amen. So feel free to do that right now. You're not going to offend me at all. Uh, Isn't just isn't just the Lord incredibly good? I mean, as the presence was here, I was just like, Lord, we don't, we don't, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve your presence. I don't know how many times you were in a thick presence, a heavy presence. The Hebrew word is kavod, a heaviness um, that speaks of when the Lord is just in the room and you feel the weight of his glory. If you didn't feel that today, then we're going to have an opportunity for you to get in line with the Lord and get your life into a place where you can feel what he wants you to feel. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, Lord, there's (laughs) there's no other thing. There's no other person that we sacrifice our time, we rearrange our schedules to come here uh, under threat of weather, Lord, or, or difficulties in the morning. God, getting up, Father, the enemy is always providing a reason for us to not be here. But Father, we're here for one reason alone, and that is You, Jesus. We've come for You. We've not come for anything else. We've come for You. Nothing else transforms us, nothing else teaches us, nothing else encourages us, nothing else challenges us, and nothing else, God, fixes our issues of life like you do. So speak to us this morning. Through the power of your word, I pray speak to us and let us be a life that is changed. Because I know that a life is changed, is a life that gives you praise, a life that brings you glory. And I want to be counted as one of those lives, Lord, who do just that. And so I pray today. Open our minds, allow our hearts to be open, and Holy Spirit, speak the words I cannot speak. I ask it in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I want to show you a video. Watch this real quick. Stop what do, I say? If you want to know what's wrong with me now, you know what's wrong with me, right? <laughs> that was my house so many times, so many days. Uh, I, I couldn't help. I was trying to keep it together because I was laughing so hard in the video until, until, until there was a bit of, you know, mischievousness came out. And, uh, and the what I, what I, reason why I show you that today is, you know, there was this time when I said, stop, You right? And it was immediate, but it was just limited, right? Just for our time, right? That was a good advice, Dad. I appreciate that advice. And now I feel like that advice is expiring, and so I'm going to go <laughs> right back to what I was told not to do, right? And then, and then I said, what did I say? Oh, oh, there's some accountability coming right here. I, I feel like there's a consequence in his voice. You said stop. That's right. H- have you... Have you ever experienced this uh, this at all as parents? You 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 when you said it the first time there was just as much authority as the last time you said it. And I don't know what the disconnect was, but somehow in between the first time and the last time they finally realized that you weren't playing no games. Is it just me? And somehow and now some of y'all some of y'all it takes you about 10 15 times to get to that what I say, you know, and some of us right away, some of y'all just said, when I said, stop." They just, they quit. They quit breathing all together when I said stop. <laughs> and so, what I learned about kids is the longer you, you know, you have to reconvince them that you have authority, uh, the more they'll test you in that, uh, and it doesn't just go away just because they're young, uh, cute little kids. Your children always are trying to figure out, well, when does the authority come in, right? When the first time you said no, but yeah, I understand that, that's good advice, but when does the authority come in the back of that? Y'all follow what I'm saying this morning? Today, we want to talk about the authority of God's word. And, and funny enough, as I watch this video, I realize that's me spiritually, right? That's me spiritually. The Lord says, stop. Okay. You know, and I'll just stop for a little bit, and then I go on, and then I hear the Lord say, what'd I say? Oh, uh, you, said, you said to not do that no more. And so here we are in a place where we have to understand is that authority carries consequence. When we look at the word of God, sometimes we say that's great advice. That's, a great, that's great encouragement. Can I tell you, if you're looking for a book with great encouragement and great advice, there's, there's, there's books that, uh, that are more palatable for you that are easier to be understood and easier to assimilate into your life. But the Word of God is not trying to make things comfortable for you. It's not trying to make things palatable for you. It's trying to give you the best life that God can give you if you obey it. Right? It's not advice. It's an authority. Authority, by definition, is the power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Let me say that again to you parents out there. Authority, by definition, is the power to Influence or command, thought, opinion, or behavior. Can I tell you that never more in our life is there a struggle for authority in our culture than as of right now? Right now, there's a uh, there's a struggle in authority over the right to determine unborn babies' life. Still, is still being contested. There is a a authority being contested over a right to a a child uh, to determine its gender. Right now, there's authority to um, to to define marriage or the origins of man, or even practice what you believe. Even though you can believe those things, there's still an authority. Do you have the right to practice those things? And obviously, even amongst believers right now, even amongst those who call the Word of God the Word of God, they are still questioning, does it have the authority to speak to all aspects of our life? Because we feel like the Bible is not entirely relevant to our situation and our culture today. We have outgrown or we have created problems. The Bible doesn't address correctly or specifically and so is there true authority does the bible really have authority to speak to every aspect of our life our being and our culture and if you're on the fence about that i can help you really quick yes yes it does and so what we see is that the authority of god's word has always been in question because when i say authority i i mean just that 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 whatever it says have you ever did anybody have a parent that you just didn't question them. You just didn't do it. Did you have a parent like that? Did you have a parent that says, I, I dare you to question me? I dare you. Try it. See it. Do you have an opinion? I, I had one like that. And uh, um, it, it was not a, a fun experience. There was a real authority. There was a real respect. Even though I didn't respect the individual, I respected the authority. And I remember in, being in church One day, and I was talking, and I saw a yard ruler run over my shoulder like this right past me. And as it passed me, I saw it go like that on the guy's ear in front of me. And we're there because we know what's happening. The superintendent of the Sunday school had a yardstick and sat behind the youth section, and he was correcting us. Y'all didn't go to that kind of church. Y'all don't know what that's about. Y'all don't know what reverence is about. You don't know what it's like when you walk into the, the house of God and all of the sinner at you got hung up on the, on the coat rack. Because if you came in and there was any blemish in your character, guess what? You're going to get whacked. Because there was more than just holiness in the Word of God. There was holiness in a man's hand. And we were held to account like nothing before. We're too soft nowadays. Now, I'm not asking anybody out there to pick up the ministry of a yardstick. But what I'm saying is, is that time's a little bit different. And right now in our life, the authority of God's word is being questioned. And we live in a a society, in a culture that lacks authority. It's the reason why people can talk back to teachers. I would... If I talk back to my teacher, my teacher in, in history school, he in, in history class, he would walk in with a magazine, roll it up, and we had one of those wraparound desks. Y'all, they still use those at all? Wraparound desk. And he would walk up to it and he would hit that desk and it would do a full 360 land on its on its, on its on its four legs. And he would say, If you like to talk, he goes, I would like to encourage you not to. <laughs> Check, I got that. <laughs> I'm good. But you can't do that nowadays because not only are we disrespecting teachers, we're disrespecting cops too, right? There's no authority at that level. And the reason why is because there's no authority in the home, right? That's what it comes down to. Uh, society and culture is simply an overflow of the home. And so what we see is that, is that it takes us 15 to 25,000 times to tell our kid to go to bed, you know, uh, or to, to do whatever we need to do because we have, we have fallen away from the authority of God's word. And the reason is because we don't respond like we should. To the authority of God's Word. It's an overflow. When when you respect the authority of God's Word, then you'll find that your kids will respect your authority. But if you don't respect the authority of God's Word, then you'll not find that overflowing in your life. It's a principle on all levels. If you don't love God, then you're not going to find the love in your home. If you don't find the joy between you and God, you'll not find that joy in your home. It's always an overflow. And so what we're seeing now is that we need to go back to a place where we can understand what authority is about and how it's been contested. Turn with me to chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 2. It's 11 o'clock. We're going to be here for a little while. So just go ahead. If you've got a, a Wi-Fi range or oven at home, go ahead and just back that heat down. I need to teach today. I need to teach today. In Genesis chapter 3, you have read it before many times. And and basically, in the beginning, it says, when the serpent, this is the very first time we've ever seen the authority of God's word contested. And he says, did God actually say, did he actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And in verse 4, it's the first contradiction in all of scripture. And he says, you shall not surely die. You will not surely die. What we see right away is that he's questioning the authority of God's word because God's word said that you shall not eat of any tree. Uh, you, you can eat of any tree, but you shall not eat of the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil. And so what we see right away is the Lord has given us two commands. One, to eat of any tree. You have the right to do that. I give you the authority to eat of any tree. But I also, in my same authority, have given you uh, the command to not eat of this tree. And Satan comes in. He tries to undermine the authority of God, and he does so. And when he does so... Here's two things that happen. The first off is this is that man gives up dominion because whatever you listen to has authority over you. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Whatever whatever you listen to. Whatever word that you hear. That's why it's so important for you to pay attention to what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're hearing and hearing is, it can be a podcast, it can be conversations at the cooler, it can be your work, it can be whatever it might be. But whatever, you, whatever you're opening yourself up to and you're allowing to come into your life to have influence, if you're submitting to that and you're listening to that, you've allowed it to have authority over you. It's important. And the second thing was this, is that man lost the authority of God's word in his experience. He lost the authority of God's word. Now, what I'm not saying is that God lost authority or his word lost authority. I'm saying in man's experience, he lost the authority of God's word. You and I, we do not need to be forfeiting the authority of God's word in our life, in our experience. And so let me show you how he did that. Because in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. There's the authority to have which is the tree of life also. But then he says, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. That's the second one. There's a second instance of authority being applied. So what I want you to see here is that when man rejected the authority of God's word over what he shouldn't eat, he lost the authority of God's word over what he could eat. What I'm asking you this morning is that where have you rejected God's authority in one experience and you've lost life in the other one? Because that's what happens when we take God's word and we make it smaller than what it is. We make it good advice. It's good principles. It's good truth, right? But it's not authoritative. It's not authoritative. That means when it says to do it, you do it. That's what it means. Do we question it sometimes? Does it make sense? No, a lot of times it doesn't. When God's word comes to me sometimes, I, I, I don't know how I would respond if I was Abraham and the Lord said Scott, put your son up on the altar and sacrifice him. I don't know how that's going to make sense. But I do know one thing, that if he is your authority, you do that too. And that's a difficulty that we have in our life. And so this morning, I want to just give you a couple reasons, a couple reasons as to why the Bible loses its authority in our experience. Here's the first one. It's not on the screen. Feel free to write it down. We fail to experience the authority of his word when it's more familiar, it's more familiar than it's feared. It's more familiar than it's feared. And the second one is is we fail to experience the authority of his word when we filter it through our viewpoint. We filter it through our viewpoint. Let me start with the first one. We fail to experience the authority of God's word in our life when it's more familiar than it's feared. The, The question that comes to mind right off is, is, uh, Pastor Scott, I didn't know we're supposed to be fearing God. Yes, you, yes you are. Yes, you are. It's good, it's good to fear the Lord. It's good to fear the Lord. But it's not just any way. It's not just any fear. The Lord doesn't want you running run around like an abused kid in a, in a, in a house where you're, you can't even breathe and you're walking on eggshells. That's not what the fear he's talking about. Here's what he's talking about. Exodus chapter 20 verse 20 says this. Moses said to the people, do not fear. What? <laughs> do not fear. For God has come to test you. That the fear of him, all right. Now don't fear the fear that's coming, right? Do not fear, for God has come to test you. That the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. So what he's saying is, is that if you will fear Him, don't don't worry about being God being what you think He might be, but fear Him for who He is, because if you fear Him for who He is, He will keep you from sinning, which will put Him in a place that you're going to be awfully full of dread and fear. So God's fear, having a healthy fear of God, is actually towards our benefit. It keeps us from uh, uh, suffering the wrath of God. It keeps us from suffering the judgment of God, and that is a healthy fear. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules. The Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. What's his heart here? I want you to go possess the land that I prepared for you, that I delivered you out of Egypt, that I brought you to the wilderness. I'm going to give you this thing that you don't deserve. Here's my heart. This is where it's at, that you might possess it, but also that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son's sons, uh, and by you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. In both instances, what we see the fear of God doing is increasing the quality of life. Having a healthy fear of God will increase your quality of life and not diminish it. Notice the statements, so that you may not sin so that your days may be long, that so all things may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly. What is he trying to say? If you fear me, if you have a healthy fear for me, I'll keep you from the things that will rob life from you. Do you fear God? I don't know that we fear too much nowadays. We're so desensitized to murder and hate and violence, and it's everywhere from it's in every all form of media and so so the the amount of shows and things that are available to us we're so desensitized to the spiritual realm even it's hard for us to have any fear I grew up watching uh Nightmare on Elm Street and and Jason right Friday the 13th and we would laugh at that desensitized oh look he's cutting her head off you know what I mean like it was some joke And I didn't know that because I was too immature at the time. What I realized was that I was just slowly desensitizing myself. I couldn't fear anymore. Why would I be afraid of God? I'm not even afraid of the things that I know that would hurt me and harm me. God's not going to do that to me, so why would I fear him? And so we have have found ourselves into a culture that has become so desensitized to darkness and things that are really after us. We can't even fear the thing that actually would love us and help us. So here we are, in a, we're in a, we're in a, a conundrum to some, some degree. And so notice here what he says also is that fear is not a suggestion, it's a requirement. Deuteronomy chapter 12, chapter 10 says, and now Israel, what does is the Lord God, what? Require, require of you. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for what? For your own good. The Lord wants you to fear him for your own good. And we, we think that, that can't be right. Oh, the Lord wants us to fear him because he longs to bless you. He longs to, for you to understand. And if we don't fear him, we'll not fear his word. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm thankful that my kids respect my word. I don't know that they fear me, but they may fear the consequences that come. I, I don't walk around as a father trying to impose doom and gloom and abuse and, 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 and um, uh, punishment. That's, that's not my demeanor. But I need them to know that if you're going to act outside what is good for you, there's going to be consequences. Why? Because as a father, I don't want them to experience things that they need not experience that's going to harm them. All the dads say amen right? If I, if I can cut you off from that boy that I know is going to be no good, then I'll stomp a mud hole in him. You ain't got to cry about him. Amen? Y'all didn't amen Oh, that's all right. You, got, you your dads are soft. That's fine. That's, that's fine. I, 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 I believe that God's like that, that he looks into your life and says, you know what? I'm jealous. I'm jealous over the things that are in your life. And it's not because I'm insecure as a God. It's not because I'm insecure as a Father. It's because I know what is best for you. and You chose something lesser. I'm jealous because that thing says it loves you more than I do. And that's the true heart of a Father. And so he comes to us in a way that, that he has to display his, his, his discontent for us in, in, in the hopes that our fear for him will walk in line with him. So we don't have to endure the things that will punish us. My question is today is, is do you and I, do you and I act in such a way that we we make the word of God small, we we familiarize ourselves with it, we don't we don't fear it, and so we become familiar with it and we don't respect God's word. And because we don't respect God's word, we pay for that. That was the sin of Achan. Achan, in, in the battle of Ai. Uh, What we see is is Achan, or Israel, had just came and they just topped the walls of Jericho. And the Lord said, Jericho is my city, don't take anything from it at all. But Achan, he knew the word of God. He was familiar with the word of God, but he was too familiar with the reverence of God, too familiar with his presence, too familiar with his fear. He didn't, when I say familiar, I mean he made it common. He made it less than. He diminished it. And so what did Achan do? Achan went and he took things from God that he was not supposed to take and he put it in his tent and he buried it and he played with it at night when nobody else can see and he put it back up. And when they went to, to battle at the battle of Ai, people lost their lives. And so Josh says, Joshua says, Lord, why are we dying? And he says, because there's sin in the camp. And he shows them how to find that sin in the camp. And when he finds Achan, he destroys him and his family. Why? Because he was he was. He was knowledgeable of what, the, what God's commands were, but he was too comfortable with his reverence towards him. And, and that's what I'm asking today, is, is do you and I do this? Do we become familiar or make the, make the word of God common? Do we, do we lose reverence for it? Have, do we lack respect for it? Have we lacked regard for it? When I say the words in this way, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but... You know, if something frustrates you, do you say, Jesus Christ, does that offend you? What about when you say, oh, my God, does that bother you? Because it's just a reverence, right? Because if we treat his name flippantly, will we not treat his word flippantly? And still yet, when we get into trouble, we say, oh, Jesus. And how is it that we expect it one time to come out of our mouth and mean nothing, but when I need him, I need it to mean everything? What I'm saying is, is do we respect it? Do we regard it? Is it true? Is it true the word of God? Do we, do we believe that this thing has all authority, all power? Look with me in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 24. Jesus has just started his ministry. He just came out of the wilderness, and he come through. Um, he just came through Galilee, and now he arrives at his hometown, uh, the place that he was raised. Not born, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in, in Nazareth. Verse 16, it picks up and says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, he, as his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll on the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Watch this. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? They made him common. They made him common. What we see is the same way here. In Matthew chapter 13, it, it, it lose the same thing. It's kind of a, a parallel here. And he says in verse um, 55, let me back up in 54. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished. This is Matthew's uh, version of this. And said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is his his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where, Where then did this man get all these things? You know what they were saying? They were saying, you know what? We don't know about his deity. All we know is his humanity. And Jesus says this in verse 58, And he did not do, or the Matthew says this, And he did not do many works there because of their what? Unbelief. See, Nazareth failed to experience the authority of the living word of God, which was the power to proclaim the good news to the poor, release the captives, allow the blind to see, and the press to go free. Because they saw him as something familiar, they forfeited those things in their life. Why did they fail to experience that? Because they had unbelief. You say, Pastor Scott, I, I thought you said that, that, that because they made Jesus familiar is the reason why. They made him common is the reason why they didn't experience those things. Yeah, it's just the same thing. When you make Jesus common, you don't believe in him. Because he is the word of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And anything less than the, the definite article, as in the only one, no other that compares to him. When you make him anything other than what he is, then you don't believe in who he is because you treat him less than who he is. So Jesus is telling us this, something important to us. Because we needed his authority in our life to be able to eat of the tree of life. We need the life that he brings to us. We need his power to, to set the captives free. We need his power to make the blind see. We need his power to give us the spirit of freedom in our lives so we can live, not by a law, but by grace and by the Spirit. And we don't have it in our life if we don't fully believe and fully trust that this is the book that has All authority. All authority in heaven and in earth is in this book, the written word of God. And we know it's powerful because the written word of God is the same thing as the living word of God. There's no difference in that. And so Jesus is walking with your life and you're going through life and you're at work and you're going through problems. Or you have a marriage and you're going through your problems or you have financial problems or you have problems with your parents or, or, or being a parent. And Jesus is walking with you and he says, not there, here. Is that advice? Is it advice to us to choose? Yeah, Lord, that's not really conducive of my lifestyle right now. So, I mean, you might as well just pitch it because it's with you every day, right? Every day. And the the tragedy is is that we lose the power of his authority. The, the, The Scripture says that he honors his word above his name. Above his name. You probably saw that in your, in your uh, devotional. We've been reading along. So how, how important is this? Because see, what we need to understand is that when we regard the written word of God as something less than it is, we become spiritual Nazarenes that robbed him of his deity so we could cope with his humanity. Because, because if, I'm, if he's just a carpenter's son, I can live my life. And he not judge me. But if he is in fact who he says he is, then i got to be accountable to his word. And so oftentimes we make him common; We become familiar to him. And how do we know if we've done that or not? Luke 4.22 says this, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from, from his mouth, right? We failed to experience the authority of Scripture when we see it as words from God and not the word of God. Let me tell you the difference. Do you know that there are other sacred texts that believe in Jesus being the word of God? In fact, um, the surah, this is the Quran. Surah 324, you got that? It says, the angel said, this is the Quran. The angel said, oh Mary, God gives you good news of a word from him, of a word from him. His name is the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of Mary, well esteemed in the world, and the next and the one of the and one of the nearest. I don't know what that last part means, but all I know is this: is that they saw Jesus as a word of God, as a word from God. Let me tell you what the word of God says. The word of God says this. It says in Revelations nineteen thirteen, He is clothed and robed and dipped in blood, and the name by which He is called is what the word of God. And matter of fact, we know how powerful it is because in John one one, it says this: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is who we're talking about. This is the Word of God, and just because He doesn't have a eyes, a nose, and a face, and He can't talk to you audibly does not mean that when you read it, He is not speaking. He is, he is speaking to you. He is longing to speak to you, but you got to open it up you've got to trust that what is in here is absolutely authoritative. That means it has the right to tell you everything about everything in your life. Do you allow it? Are you allowing it to do that? Because if you are, you'll be obeying it. That is the, that is, that's what Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 28 says. Be careful to obey all. Obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you because you'll be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. Now, lastly is, is, is we filter it. It's, 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 it's the matter of obedience, but how are, you, how are you responding to the Word of God? If you believe that this is the Word of God, if you believe that this is this is the authoritative Word of God, then how are you responding to it? Read with me. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 8 says this, On the third day there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother disregarded Jesus and said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stones of water, a jars that were there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 and 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And now they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So Jesus tells the servants to fill the jars with water. Now, if I'm a servant, I just heard what Mary said. Mary said they had no wine. What she didn't say was they have no water. That's not what she, that's not what she said. And so she says, Jesus, they had no wine. Do, do what you can do. And so Jesus says, okay, great. Go get me some jars and fill it with water. In my mind, I'm thinking, see, Jesus, you don't understand the need right now. You don't know what is needed right now. Because what we don't need is water. What we need is wine. So I don't know how you think Filling up six jars of water is going to meet the need because if you're thinking that we're going to fill them, they're, they're so drunk that they're going to know that water is not wine, then, then I don't know, Lord. <laughs> you're going to do a big, big miracle and make all those people be under some deception. Or if you think you're going to take some wine and mix it with a little water, no, they're going to know that too. Either way, Lord, here's what we know from our perspective, you don't know what's happening. And from our perspective, What you're asking us to do doesn't fit the need that we have. You hear what I said? What you're asking me to do does not fit the need that I have. But that is normal in Scripture. When Abraham is told to sacrifice Isaac, Lord, you just said you're going to make my offspring is as many as the sand as the, as the, uh, the sand on the shore and, as, and the stars in the sky. You, you're gonna make, and, you, and now you want me to kill the only one that I really have that you're going to bless? That doesn't make any sense. And then he says to Moses, Moses, just speak to the rock so water can come out of it. See, Lord, you don't understand the need that we have because water doesn't come out of a rock, you know? That's right. Just speak to it. And then he, he didn't obey him, and he, he tapped it while, later on, and he got in trouble for that. And then he says to Gideon, Gideon, your army's too big. We need to defeat thousands of people. I just need you to dwindle yours down to 300. To See, Lord, the problem is, is that in terms of numbers, they have the strength in the upper hand. And that's not racially sound. We need more people. But the Lord says, no, no, you don't understand. I know I'm asking you to do something that doesn't fit your need, but I'm the Lord, and my ways are higher than your ways, right? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So do me a favor and just obey and watch me do what I do. That's, and then, that's what he's telling us to do. And then he says to Naaman, he says, Naaman, he goes, I know you're sick and full of diseases. Go find the dirtiest river, and I want you to wash yourself in the dirtiest river because that makes sense. When I get dirty outside, I find, I find the dirtiest place. I, can go, I find some old cow drinking pond, and I go wash in it, and I feel iris spring clean when I walk out of that. No, that does not make sense to me. But the Lord is in the habit of asking me to do things that don't fit my need. Peter walks on water. That don't make no sense. And then he says, I need need a coin to pay the temple tax. He says, go catch a fish. Lord, a fish, not a coin. Go catch a fish. What does the Lord ask you to do? That does not make sense. That does not make sense. And if I could just dip off into your personal life, I'd say, and what did you tell him? No. I'm not going to do that. Because I found a way that's a little bit better. Because I understand it. This way is easier for me because I understand it, Lord. You're asking me to do something I don't understand. And so I'm going to go this way because, see, I can control the particulars. And if it doesn't work well, I'm okay with the outcome because I can manage that too. And so it's okay. If if it's all right with you, Lord, I appreciate the advice. But I think I got a better way. I hope I'm stepping on your toes because I am not going to be the only one this morning. Because at the end of the day, what I want in my life is to embrace the Word of God in in the entirety of of his authority that comes with it. Because when you come down here and you ask for prayer, I want to be able to lay hands on you and say, Lord, I trust in your word. And I respond to your authority when you speak to me over here. So I'm asking you right now to release your authority in me right now. When I pray for this person, they need your word. They need the power of your word. And I don't want my life and my lack of character and my lack of obedience to stop being the conduit of power you want to flow through. Don't don't punish them because of my disobedience. And So I want to wrap myself around the whole idea and the concept that this this is the authority. Authority of my life, and I embrace it with all of my being. This is what we should understand. Because if you say, well, I, I do that, Pastor Scott, I do that. But let me ask you, are you filtering what he's telling you to do through your viewpoint? Because if, if you are not doing that, then that means you're loving your enemies and you're praying for those who persecute you, right? Then, then the, you're, the first will be the last, and the last will be the first. He says, turn the other cheek when someone assaults you. Do good to those who hate you. If you are not filtering those things, that means you're loving your enemies. That means you're forgiving people who do not deserve to be forgiven, but you're forgiving them anyway. That means you're loving people who you don't know how in the world you could possibly love them, but you do anyway. That's the authority of Scripture in our life. That commands us to be something that is not natural to us. For us to come to church is one thing, but for us to be the church is the command of scripture. Are you just coming or are you the church? Where are you at in your life? Mary says, his mother said to the service, Whatever he says to you, do it. That would be my response to us today. How do, we, how do we live like this is the one book? That like this book has all the authority in heaven and on earth? How do we respond to it? Whatever he says, whatever the living word of God says to us, do it. As the worship team comes back, let me ask you a question. Where is it? Where is it in your life that it's been great advice It's helped you through some hard times, but it's just advice. You may affirm it verbally as authority, but you know when you stand before the Lord and he asks you, have you received my word and his authority? You know you'd have to be honest and say, I've treated it like good advice, Lord, and it's been good, but I've not regarded it. I've not revered it. I've not feared you the way I should, but I need it to be authority and not just advice. And also, let me ask you is, what what part of your life have you filtered God's instructions to you, God's authoritative word to you, and you filtered it through your human point, your human viewpoint? Because it didn't fit what your lifestyle needed. It didn't fit your understanding. You didn't understand how it was going to happen, how it was going to be accomplished. And so you modified the word of God. And that's dangerous, too, because he says, don't add to or take away. Not just in the written scripture, but when you receive the word of God, you ought not add to or take away from what he tells you to do. But we do that because we don't understand how water is going to become wine. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, search me, search me, don't let my lies cover the things My justification diminish my disobedience. But oh God search me. Pray that I stand before you and I've honored you that I fear you. I don't want to run from your love and I don't want to run from your plan me God to run to your arms to embrace your word and so I pray God search me don't, don't allow one lie that I've created or I've accepted don't allow one lie to keep me from the power of your word that longs to set me free that longs for me to see spiritually it sets me free from oppression. It sets me free from curses of generations. It sets me free from wrong thinking. It sets me free from, from idolatrous thinking, worshiping other things and not you. Lord, set me free from those things. God, for the parts of my heart, God, that I'm poor, I lack, God, I pray, proclaim the goodness of your news goodness of the gospel that you feel every hole, that you feel every corner of this heart. I pray, Lord, that you would overflow me. That other people, God, might see the work of your hand in my life and the work of your hand, Father, in other people's lives. And then, Father, I pray that you would show me and show me, Lord, where I filtered your word. What did I do? Show me why I did it, Lord. Because I, I, I don't want to miss out on the miracle that you're wanting to show yourself to me. You want to re- reveal yourself to me. And so, Lord, I pray, renew my mind and change my thinking, Lord. That I might be sensitive to your word. All oh, that when you speak to me, I respond. That my obedience is not out of duty. But, Lord, it is out of devotion to you. Out of a love to you. Out of a grace, Lord, that I receive from you. Out of a mercy that you give me freely. Pray in here, Lord, today. That if there be one person, Lord, who's who's not, who's not walking in the authority of the word, they've not experienced the freedom that comes with knowing you, they've not experienced the release from shame and guilt, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would speak to them now. And let them know, Father, what waits for them is freedom. Let them have the tree of life, your son. That's who we long to partake of. Pray you would do this in our heart today. Before we leave this morning, I just want to ask, is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Scott, I, I need, I need to bring my life back into the alignment of the Word of God. I know what it says. I'm not ignorant. I know that I've not treated it the way it ought to be treated. And I need to submit my heart once again and realign my mind and my life once again to revere the word of God to being the ultimate authority. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? You want to come back into alignment with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, many hands. Father in heaven, I, I know you see. I know you see. I pray, God, not just for the person who doesn't know you, but I pray for the one God who claims you to be God. Lord, would you align them again? Would you align their heart with you once again and let them submit to the power of your word in the authority of your word let them walk in the authority of your word and i pray god let the authority of your word god release in them what they desire most relationship and freedom in that relationship i ask it father in jesus name amen last thing before you go there's another passage in scripture the jews come to jesus and they said, we're about to stone you for some things you said. And Jesus says, not for what things I've said, but what things I've done. They said, no, what things you said. You said these things and you were wrong. And Jesus catches them who are supposed to be so good. He says, is it not written in your law? And he shows them their error. You see, the last reason that we, we, we lose the authority of Scripture in our experience is because we forget His Word? We forget it. And I'm not asking you to memorize His Word. You know that's up to you and the Lord uh, to convict you or to, to challenge you in that way. But here's what I'm saying: is you need to be reading the Word of God. And if you've not gotten one of our our devotionals or one of our uh, reading plans that we have, um, get with me after service. But listen to me, Church. How can we walk? in alignment how can two walk together unless they agree and you gotta you gotta to agree with the Lord you have to know what he says it means you gotta open up this word right you gotta read it and you gotta believe that what it says is true it's crazy I open up this, this verse this is a trustworthy saying and I want you to know and insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good thank you Lord I feel like he just confirmed everything I just preached right then. That's how the, Now, don't read the word like that. That'll mess you up. You'll, you'll be doing things you're not supposed to be doing, okay? Father in heaven, before we go, I pray you bless these people. I love you and I love them. I want the best that you have for them. Keep them safe this week. Draw near to them as they draw near to you. God, and I pray, fan the flame of love in our heart towards you and towards each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you. you dismiss. dismissed.